Kia ora, I'm Katie Harris, it's January 15 and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Shark sightings have dominated Kiwi headlines this summer with Surf Life Saving New Zealand recording several dozen reports over the holiday period. While some may view this as summer hysteria, the sightings did prompt water evacuations at certain beaches and one woman suffered significant injuries to her leg after being attacked by a shark while walking through an estuary. So, is global warming playing a hand at bringing these sharks close to shore? And what, if anything, can Kiwi water users do to keep safe? Today on the front page, shark scientist Dr Riley Elliott joins us to discuss the sightings and what we get wrong when talking about these sea creatures. Riley, what sort of shark species have been seen in New Zealand waters this summer and why are these sharks coming so close to shore? Well, I think firstly we've got to acknowledge the obvious that sharks do live in the ocean and it's not like they're supposed to stay in the deep. It's more that when they do come into shallow water, we see them. And so all of a sudden we start asking questions. The poignant one, obviously, is, is as you said, what species are they? Predominantly in summer, it's the bronze whaler shark, which is on average one and a half to two and a half meters long. You know, it's copper or bronze in color. It's a very smart shark because they, they continually hang around people and, and they actually learn very, very quickly to avoid or habituate towards certain activities of ours, like fishermen know that sharks know how to steal fish off the end of their line because it's far easier to catch than catching a free swimming fish. Or where we stop and we fillet fish in certain areas, you know, they'll hang out there when the the anchor chain goes down because they get free food. But equally, these sharks, you know, do their own thing 99% of the time because we as humans really, you know, in mass numbers only go into the ocean during this holiday period. And um, at those times, ironically, is when these sharks are also coming in seasonally into shallower water because of their own needs. They come in to pup. Female bronze whalers drop their pups in the harbors in the shallow waters. And, and largely those are the sharks that we're seeing right now is either a female who's given birth or about to give birth or some of the babies that have grown up into those kind of like meter long ones. So that is why those animals are in the shallows. And the other reason is they go out and feed throughout the night and at dusk and dawn. And in the daytime, much like us, they're um, relaxing through the summer. And they do that in the shallow coastal waters where the waves and the white water provide oxygen for them, provide current so they don't have to swim as much. And they're basically sunbathing there in optimum efficiency. So I do try and spin away from, or at least acknowledge that sharks in the shallows isn't some kind of thing that has anything to do with us. It's more the fact of us going into the shallow water and seeing them and thinking that we have the kind of right to uh, that part of the conversation, I guess. Yeah, I mean, really, sharks, they're just like us. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, they are trying to survive. They're trying to avoid dangers. And believe it or not, we are a massive danger to them. Um, Every day, you know, most of those boats you see going out there have hooks, lines, nets. They throw fish and people over the top of these sharks. And And these sharks, historically, very rarely have ever even interacted with us. But, you know, we still, I don't know, are surprised to see them. And and what has been good in recent time is is we've kind of 
change the narrative. You know, it's more about like, wow, look, there's a shark and that's indicative of a healthy ecosystem. It's something cool to look at. And, you know, let's respectfully just get out of its way and let it do its thing. And then then we can get back on with our speedo sunbathing swimming. But um, look, to be honest, is there more sharks in the ocean? Are they coming closer to shore into the shallows? Is it to do with warm water? These are big questions. You know, it's a big environment with very little study in it. But then there's also huge variables like it's been much calmer seas. It's been very clear water because we've had no rain. The wind's offshore, so the water's like really calm. And and therefore, you've got all these biases that could be influencing like our perception that there's more. And in any scientific question, you go into a controlled environment and you and you eliminate variables and you figure out what the answer is. But you can't do that very easily in, in, in the wild, in nature. And so it's important just to provide context, not overreact, um, not, you know, dive into it too much. Or And more importantly for the media, not to, you know, go beyond what should be their realm, which is just getting factual information from people who understand this so that people can be informed most accurately. And hence why I'm grateful for these kind of conversations with you. Yeah. It is really difficult to know because having worked over summer, I saw firsthand just swaths of emails coming in from the public being like shark sighting here, shark sighting here. And it is just difficult because as a layperson, it does seem like we're seeing more sharks or is it that we're just hearing about it more in the media and on social media? Yeah, well, I think that's news across the board in general is that there's so much more quickfire access to it and the ability to share it. But with that comes, you know, a really poor control of it, you know, and what is real, what is not, what is accurate, what is not. To be honest, I think New Zealand media, so kudos to you guys, are very, very good at it because I was in Australia recently at a conference there about sharks and it is it is barbaric how, how bad they will spin stories or just be, you know, non-sensitive to a person who just got killed by a shark in the rare case and and just leverage it, you know, for a clickbait. Man versus wild caught on camera. This is the moment 20-year-old Matteo Mariotti's life flashed before his eyes. I didn't want to go inside the water. I just told him he's Maybe it was dangerous. And it was. Matteo was attacked by a tiger shark in shallow waters. A once-in-a-lifetime holiday they'd rather forget. It's the wrong message because, to be blunt, like sharks are the most polite predator on Earth. If we dressed up like zebras, as I say as an analogy, if we dressed up like zebras and ran through the savannas playing tennis and yelling and screaming and, you know, flapping around, and only like a handful of people got hurt or killed by lions, you, you know, you'd be like, well, like that was a silly thing everyone was doing. What do you expect? And yet we do it in the ocean every year in the, in the billions of us, mm. and they make six six mistakes that are, you know, tragically fatal a year. And most of them happen because we dress up like their prey, we act like a weaker version of their prey, and then we go and do that where their prey are being hunted by them. And in bad visibility and at dusk and dawn, and you know, surfers are generally the largest one to blame, and I'm one of them myself, so it's all good. But like, it's not like they're hunting us. I say to people, if they were hunting us, they're pretty good at what they do, and they'd be eating us every single day, especially in summer, but they just don't. But they can make mistakes if we don't respect, you know, their backyard. And that spectrum spans from, you know, if we dump fish fillets and carcasses where people swim or jump off wharves to 
intentional mistakes that can happen. For example, I go spearfishing and you're challenging now this apex predator for the kingfish that you've just speared and you're wrestling it in the open water you know, against a shark. And, and you can do that safely if you learn and get experience about their behavior. But many of us don't. And sometimes they bite. Sometimes dogs bite. Sometimes cats scratch. You know, like sometimes animals make mistakes, but you can avoid them largely. And, and I think having conversations like this and, you know, water safety, like lifeguards being calm and just realistic about what a shark is and when they see one, what the actual risk is and how they manage it or not, it's really important, and most importantly, to put that in context of the very real risks. Like, you know, I didn't drive my car over Christmas because I didn't want to get in a car crash, because statistically, you're pretty likely to. You know, lifeguards do an amazing job to try and mitigate a huge risk, which is 100 people a year drown. So putting stuff into context, I think, is really, really important. There was a 21-year-old woman in Southland who suffered significant leg injuries after being bitten. I just want to get this put in perspective, how common are incidents like these? They're not common at all. They're just random freak things. I mean, just the circumstance around that. It was a girl at 2 a.m. walking in the estuary in knee-deep water. It's kind of just like a weird situation. If she was doing that in the daytime, number one, the shark probably wouldn't have been there because that's the time is that they hunt it is at night. Um, and secondly, she would have seen it and would have been like, oh, well, there's a shark. Like, I'm just going to move away, you know? So... Again, the things that we do generally stack variables against us, which can result in sharks making mistakes. And no, that's not a shark hunting someone. That's a shark that hunts basically blind at night, is, you know, five to six feet long, has teeth, eats stingrays and crabs and scavengers. And um, all of a sudden, you know, a white piece of flesh is going past its face in pitch blackness and it has a bite. It's not like it tried to devour her or something. It was what an animal does, just like if you stood on a stingray or a crab. Things can happen. So I guess we really need to grow up a little bit when it comes to the ocean, I feel, in general. We treat it like it's like a playground, but it is no different than climbing a mountain or going into a rainforest or a desert. It's In fact, it's far worse. It's a very wild, fluid environment that not only has extreme dangers from currents and waves and undercurrents, but from the animals that are in it. And and we just think because it's a holiday, you can just go out there willy-nilly and, and play in it. And it is it's something that's literally causing, you know, 100 tragedies a year. And and people are trying to get the message across through water safety and it just doesn't sing home. I think it's really cool. You see the younger generations now, you know, learning to swim or doing lifeguard nippers, you know, learning about animals, understanding things, because otherwise it's just a little bit naive. Going into the water, like you said earlier, we are moving into their space, into their home. Is there anything that we as people can do to protect ourselves as much as we can from coming into contact with the shark? Yeah, you can just stay on land. You know, like, like, <laughs> I mean, if you want a spectrum, a spectrum of risk, and that's fine. I say to people, look, it's totally fine to be afraid of a shark. To be frank, you should be afraid of a capable predator, just like a lion or a bear or something like that. And if you want to avoid a risk entirely, then just stay away from it. And that's totally cool. But I personally, having understood these animals for decades, like I know what the real risk is, but 
that's my choice then to go in and actively, you know, to the other end of the spectrum, go swim with them for a living, you know, and spearfish around them and, and do shark documentary shows with them. And then there's everywhere in the middle for the you know everyday person. And what I would say to them is the biggest thing you should do is avoid those mistake scenarios where a shark might have a nip because it thinks you're something else. And that generally comes from avoiding areas of where they're feeding or where, like I say, fish are being caught or disposed of. And so, yeah, the golden rule basically is don't fish where people swim and, and don't swim where people fish. And it's a no-brainer. And I put the drone up yesterday over Pawanui Tairua Beach, and there were 35 bronze whaler sharks in this little huddle in this one small space out on the bar, away from everyone, and they were just circling and swimming and looked like a really cool kind of social kindergarten because they were all, they looked like young of the year sharks. They're only about a meter and a half. And it was just beautiful. And then every now and then you'd see a, a paddle border or a long border or a jet ski would come over and they would just avoid that person entirely. The whole swarm of them, if you want to call it that, would move and dissipate. And then as the person went through, they would come back together. And it just, it's important to see that side of the shark's behavior rather than, you know, the fin going through the flagged area and it's like, ooh. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. Broadly speaking, why do sharks attack and is it fair to call them attacks or are these more so defensive actions? Well, they separate it in the shark attack file to provoked attacks and unprovoked attacks. And is attack the right word? I think unprovoked attack is because you do get, you know, the tragic ones like mainly in Western Australia or, or South Africa where, you know, a surfer is out in a very remote place dressed like a seal where seals are hunted by great whites and, and you get an ambush approach where the guy, you know, a girl unfortunately gets bit once but it's enough to, to cause a fatality and, and that is an attack and that's a, that's a mistaken identity attack though where the shark has thought that the person is their prey. The other attacks, you know, I don't think should be called attacks. They should be called, you know, adverse interactions where they're they're either provoked, where someone's caught a shark and has pulled it onto their boat and they're trying to get their $1 hook back and, and the shark bites them because it's trying to defend itself, you know, and, and, and that's not the shark's fault and that's not an attack. That's a, it's a defensive mechanism. At the end of the day, the actual unprovoked attacks do happen, but there's a handful of them a year across a global scale. The provoked ones are generally stupid human behaviors that cause an animal to defend itself. And uh, I think that's fair enough. Anyone would agree. Now, I'm going to ask a selfish question here. As a fellow surfer, I've always wondered this and I've never asked. Is wearing a black wetsuit putting a big red target on my back for sharks? It doesn't generally matter for what is the unprovoked shark attack, being the great white in deeper water, looking up because they are hunting by silhouette, which is, you know, looking at that shading of you on the surface. So your body and board is blocking light and it doesn't really matter what color you are, you're still gonna be blocking that light. So in New Zealand, I would say it doesn't matter at all anyway, because we're not really playing in the areas where great whites are hunting seals. You know, that's down at Stewart Island in the deep south where there's seal colonies. But 
if you are around a seal colony, like there's, there was one off the Wairapa coast recently where a guy got nibbled by a great white, you know, because he was power diving and he's wearing a black wetsuit. Yeah, you look like a kind of poor swimming seal. And I mean, fair call for a shark to take a nibble because the seals are hard thing to catch. So if you see a slow one, you know, you can't blame it for having a go. So like, don't overthink things, you know? If you'd said that uh, someone saw a great white in the harbour, you know, you basically wouldn't have believed them. And, and in the last two years, it's, or three years, it's just become very common. So, Riley, how does global warming play into sharks? What impact does this have on sharks and the ocean environment and perhaps their movements? La Nina last summer was obviously big marine heat waves, really warm water, onshore conditions. I think the water temperature brought in the spate of juvenile great white sharks that we saw in northeast New Zealand. That was very uncommon and historically absent. El Nino, ironically, should give us cooler water along our coast because the winds blow offshore and across the Pacific Ocean. And that draws up cold water from below, increases productivity in fish life, but in itself could increase shark numbers because of food. Um, and I've kind of seen that with marco sharks and more of the pelagic species. But to be short, I don't know what we're going to expect. But the big difference is when you have good weather, you have more people in the ocean and you can see more stuff. And that is a huge bias as far as measuring what that stuff, if it's sharks or fish or whatever actually is. So... What I would say is like warmer water, you know, whether it be associated with global warming or just seasons in general, it doesn't create more sharks. All it does is, is it can change the distribution of sharks. So, for example, in California, you know, they've seen a redistribution of great white sharks. They've moved further north and then further south. The range has expanded because of the way the water is moving and warming up. In New Zealand, I believe that some of our water warmth in the past recent years has made it more appropriate for these great white shark pups because they're actually quite small animals and they can't keep their body temperature up as well as a larger version of themselves. So they usually enjoy that 21, 22 degrees Celsius water, which we only generally get in the North Island you know, for a very short period of time, whereas the last couple of summers, it's been almost the entire season. I'm really proud of New Zealand. You know, I've traveled the world and not so many nations have good perceptions of sharks, and we need it because in the last 50 years, humans have killed 70% of the world's large sharks, and they are essential in making sure that the ocean is healthy. And when we feed half the people on Earth from fish and when we breathe half of our oxygen from the, the phytoplankton you know that sharks dictate the food chain for, we should really, you know, appreciate them. So if you see one over the summer, realize the context of the situation. Enjoy it because it's a rare opportunity. And, and respect the ocean, you know. The easiest thing to do, as I always say, swim between the flags, wear a life jacket, and get a Coast Guard membership. Thanks for joining us, Riley. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Ethan Sills. Paddy Fox is the sound engineer. I'm Katie Harris. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.